this is Brandon Holtz, the senior writer from The Pioneer, uh, and I'm here with Dr. Emmanuel Platt. Hello, great to be here. Yeah, so this is The Pioneer's first podcast and what will, I presume, to be a series of podcasts on really what makes both the undergraduate and graduate programs of the biomedical department at Georgia Tech so special. So because Dr. Platt is the head of the graduate admissions here for the BMU program, I was going to have him tell us a little bit about, just in general, what he finds so special about this program first off. Well, thanks for having me. I'm sorry, I'm going to laugh a little bit. Apologies to the crowd. Yes, no, this is... uh, Our program is great for a number of reasons. Number one, we're ranked number two in the country. We should clearly be number one, but we're working on that. Um, But there's so many great things about it, and I think it also comes down to really the great people that we have here. So beyond the wonderful students, I think we have a really vibrant faculty, and that sounds really generic Mm -hmm. to say, but um, our faculty's young, it's going. I mean, we've got some older people now that we've been around for so many different years, but that also makes them more established and great guidance and, and leaders in the field. Um, we cover all the topics in biomedical engineering. I think that's like whatever you want to do, we can do that here. And I think we also apply that to the undergrad program too. Um, bringing students from several different countries. And again, the big boom that we have going for us is that we're a joint program with Emory University, which has a killer medical school, all the great clinical departments, cardiology, orthopedics, surgery, all of those things that all play really well with their professors here. So it really makes the research pop and also gives us a nice translational edge to the things that we do. Right. So, yeah, with that, one of the great things about the partnership is having a partnership with clinical researchers and actually MDs and PhDs who are in the field right now. So uh, one thing that I've heard a little bit about is the translational research program or the certificate in translational research. Uh, That's one of the great things that we can have uh, for graduate students who are interested in going into that field of research. But uh, some of the other great things that I've heard about are the NIH training grants and the TIGER program. Would you be able to elaborate on those? Sure. Um, so at least a couple of years ago, maybe still, we were number one BME faculty in getting NIH funding, which is also exciting to do. But we have several training grants, as you mentioned. So um, we have a biomaterials training grant. We have a cell and tissue engineering training grant. Actually, that one has been running now for 25 years. I think that was even before tissue engineering became a common thing in people's minds. And so what those kind of afford the students is it's um, a great way to fund their education, but it also Everything adds something different. So the cell and tissue engineering program allows students, actually forces them to do an internship, which is a great way, and it must be with an industry company. Um, One of my students, she actually took advantage of that to work at a stint company in Cape Town, South Africa, right? So the limits are endless on what you can do with that. And it's a great way for students, as you mentioned about translation, to kind of see how does work they do actually matter in the real world. And then, of course, an internship, just like with undergrad, helps you get that nice job afterwards if that's the kind of job you're looking for. The biomaterials training grant is a little different in that that actually allows students the opportunity to rotate, right? They do a synthetic lab where one that will actually make a new material and then they work in a lab that actually uses the material to do some um, important findings with it and then from there they decide which lab they want to choose or many do a uh, co-advising position after that so it comes in for students who know they want to do materials but are unsure about which way they want to go so it exposes them to both and then they can make an informed decision so um, and there are several we have some NSF training grants we had a stem cell manufacturing training grant for years that I think got renewed for at least one more year, which, you know, now Georgia Tech is a leader in cell manufacturing. And that kind of began with training students around this program. So, yeah, we're training the new future or the, the future of BMA. Awesome. Yeah, that's that's really great. Um, yeah. So I actually know a lot of grad students who are on these training grants and I've heard a lot of really great things about these. So, um, yeah. So other than that, uh, I know that you went yourself here as a Ph.D. student in this program. 
So I was wondering if maybe you could tell a little bit about what has changed or evolved about this program and from a perspective, seeing it from both the the graduate researcher and the advisor level, what's, mm. a, what's so unique about it? Well, back when I was in this program, <laughs> we didn't have shoes and the buildings didn't have walls. <laughs> so we had microscopes out in the grant. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry. So the program... <laughs> It's actually true. Um, (laughs) So I was in the second class of this joint BME program, um, which was phenomenal when it started. And it's still phenomenal now because at the time, our program was the first one to really take in life scientists as well as traditional engineering disciplines. So my undergrad degree is actually biology. And I didn't find out that being a scientist was a curse word until graduate school. But... um, other, I didn't. I probably wasn't fully aware that other biomedical engineering programs are only pulling from mechanical engineering, electrical engineering, and chemical engineering. And so we had our, our learning coordinator for the program, Wendy Neustetter, who was trained as an anthropologist, and she likes to watch people. And so she would actually watch to see if the biologists and the chemists would mingle with the engineers as the program was getting started. And you'd just see her in the corner kind of looking. Um, and the goal was to mix the two, right? So that one would teach the other. And it actually ended up working out quite well, um, which I think also led to some really innovative projects that we worked on as grad students. And many people in my class are actually faculty today. Um, so that's just how it started. But it's interesting to watch it change. One thing that I think has been really critical is when I was here, I actually was in a lab on the Emory campus. And that was when, before we got our new wonderful building, but it was also embedded with a clinical department. And so my work was around cardiovascular disease. I was there in the division of cardiology. We presented to cardiologists at least twice a year. Um, but the big thing now is that Emory has grown leaps and bounds. So now, as you probably know, we've got the whole new building there now. All the grad students are all in one place, the ones that are the, the, in the BME program over at Emory. And the reason I like that we also have these both programs that students now feel a part of both campuses, get an ID at both schools, mm-hmm. Emory's rich. <laughs> Just say that again. Um, Emory is rich. So the graduate student events at Emory are always pretty amazing. But why it's also wonderful, Emory has a humanity side and an art side and a very strong one, right? I mean, we have that at Georgia Tech, but, you know, they kind of think about it for technology. And so to use the other side of your brain and go to sociology talks or go to the art museums or hear these other speakers come in, I think that's a great opportunity for our students to be a technical, wonderful, scientific expert, then kind of notice that there's a sun and there's clouds around. And I think that's where those two worlds kind of meet. And now as we've grown and grown and grown, as you know, our number of students is far more than just the 12 in the best class that ever came through the department. Um, You know, the programs have gotten better, the research has gotten better, and so have the facilities. So it just... Okay, well, that's really cool. Yeah, that's actually something I'd never thought of. And I think a lot of people don't think about is that there are sun and clouds outside (laughs) because we get so caught up in the lab. But yeah, I think I know that MIT and Harvard have a similar partnership. Mm -hmm. But are there any other programs in the nation, just out of curiosity, that have something of that nature? There are. I think ours is unique because we're public-private. And the MIT-Harvard is private-private. And then at um, North Carolina, their department is between two universities, North Carolina State and UNC Chapel Hill, public-public. Difference there is they, I think, are about 30 miles apart, right? And so we are six miles apart, which, you know, has its own challenges. Um, But other, Wake Forest, Virginia Tech, and I'm not sure of their private or public status there. So there are a few others, but we are, Emory specifically brings that medical school capacity to us. And we are an engineering powerhouse at Georgia Tech. And I think that makes the beauty of these 
two top dogs just kind of meeting. Cool. And then another thing I was curious about was, um, so I know, I don't know if you're familiar with exactly when the rankings were or what, but as you said, now we're number two. Um, do you know off the top of your head what we've climbed up from in what amount of time <laughs> and then like what you think has made that happen? Uh, well, again, my class has really been an impetus. In, no. So I, I was a student here. I think we were just starting to get ranked. And by the time I graduated in 2006, we were, I think, at number seven or six or seven. No, we were probably, I'm sorry, when I was in the middle, we were probably seven or six. And by the time I graduated, we had made it to two by that point. And so then we held on to two and we've clawed away <laughs> at one. And I think, again, another big thing that has to happen, so this goes out to the public, being on the admissions committee for a long time, I think a lot of people think being in Georgia, the name of the school is Georgia Tech, that Georgia's in the South. And I think we have issues with perceptions from people from the Northeast, and I'm originally from New Jersey, and then people from the West Coast who may think Georgia is something different. But when the students come and see where we are and in Atlanta, which is a major urban city, metropolitan, has all the lifestyle and culture that you'd want in any city, it's surprising how often the students are actually surprised mm -hmm. Yeah. by what Atlanta brings. And I think that has allowed us to recruit the best students, recruit the best faculty, and that just together makes the program grow and become a better place. And again, at this airport, anyone can fly in and out. And so that also adds a value. We can bring the best collaborators in. They can come to visit here and, um, and then just continue. All of those things play a part. Several hospitals around Atlanta. Again, Emory has several facilities as well, and they have children's hospitals that have begun to work with our researchers as well. As you know, I do some sickle cell work for the pediatric um, aspects. And so all of those different things together make us just an incredible department. And I will say the biggest thing here that I think that our department has pushed is to have nice people. I mean, we take it for granted, but to really have nice people, and I mean, I think we consider that even in the applications and the students, Nice people make for a nice, wonderful, collaborative environment. And you don't see that everywhere. So, yeah, we're, we're very cool and nice to each other. It's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it really is. Yeah. So people, people make what, what, what good work actually is. So, uh, yeah, then I guess one important thing to those listeners who are interested in graduate school, particularly here, uh, what are some things that they should know going into this as a young undergrad? What are things they should do or prepare for ahead of time to be successful in graduate school? Oh, this is a really good question. Right. Um, one thing I'll say, you should love science, engineering, research if you want to go to graduate school. If you don't really love science and engineering like that, you're not going to make it through grad school, right? Because that's what it's all about. Um, what I really enjoyed about grad school was that all of the classes, though they were difficult, were directly in line with what I wanted to do, right? So that changes from undergrad, where you, you have to take so many things. But they're hard, but like, man, this is a good class, right? So you have to love science and engineering, because that's going to be what powers you through, not because you want to be a PhD, not because you want a job. It's, that's not sufficient to get you through. So in the preparation process, you should sample that space. What is that like? So as you know, here are our, our undergrads. About 75% of them do undergraduate research. And I think that's a critical way to kind of experience what is research like? Because it's funny when I hear people use research as a lab or, or as a verb when they're like, oh, I was researching. What are you doing? You're in the library researching? Hmm. And if that's what you think is going to happen in your PhD program, think again. So I think to get that exposure, and even if you go to a small liberal arts school, I went to a small liberal arts college for my undergraduate. There are opportunities in your city, and there's definitely for sure summer opportunities that students can take advantage of to jump in to do research. So I think you have to do that to know. Of course, no matter what people say, your grades are important. I'm sorry, they are just important. <laughs> There are just too many students applying for everyone to consider everything about a person who has 
GPAs that are not where everyone expects them to be. But that doesn't mean that that is prohibitive, right? So still, but what I look at a GPA as, it's a way of telling how does a student handle his or her business, right? Not necessarily measure of intelligence, that plays a part, but how do you really get done what you need to get done? And that's what we think about, because you're going to have to do a lot of different things and manage a lot on your own when you're in graduate school. So let's make sure you can do that. Um, And then I would just say the other thing about getting in is, you know, it's funny, science is a people business. When I was interested in science when I was younger, I was watching all these cartoons back in the day where there was the mad scientist in the dark room and was all by his or herself. And I was like, yeah, that's great. I can look however. But then the first time I was in grad school and went to a conference and it was all about talking to other people. And you realize if nobody buys what you're saying, then it means nothing, right? And that really, when you want to have impact, you want to get a drug to market. If the people that you want to take up the drug don't believe in it, you don't change anyone's lives, right? So you have to really be a communicator. And I think we forget about that because we're nerds and we have social you know, anxieties. But communicate, even among nerds, nerds can communicate with each other, right? So right. then it becomes a safe space for the week and all, you know, talk about Pokemon or whatever you all do with the webby technology thing. So... That's another part that then will become important when they interview at these schools that they get to. How do you communicate with the faculty to see, hey, can you be a part of my team? Can we work together as a team? And so those are the ways I think to think about it, not as this isolated one-off, I can be a genius by myself, because the world is just too interconnected these days. Yeah, that's a lot of really great points, and I'm sure that's very useful information for a lot of people out there. And then so I guess the next logical follow-up would be, as you said, the the way this program is structured is teams of people that are working together because more people can come up with better ideas than one. Um, and so maybe you walk them through what a normal day in the life of a graduate student on a team or a group of researchers would be like. And uh, I know it varies from lab to lab, but just in general, what that can be expected. So at the crack of dawn, you should arise. <laughs> okay, that's, that's what we would want to happen, but that's clearly not a normal day. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so it does differ from lab to lab, which also becomes important in your communication. When you are deciding on a lab, figure out a style that works for you. So um, some labs, let's say my typical lab, um, they don't come in as early as I'd like because I'm a morning person. But to say they arrive around nine or 10, some are there by eight, nine or 10, they arrive. Um, hopefully they have, in my lab, we have a blend of wet lab experiments and also computational projects. So the students divvy up their time depending on what they're doing at that time. So if they're growing cells, planning on doing experiments, they go into the lab, put on their personal protective equipment, of course. <laughs> and um, and they didn't manage their cells. They prepare their reagents, run the experiments, plan for it, however long that might take. Um, in my lab, we do have a number of undergraduates that come through, so they know when their undergraduates will be coming by, so they have something ready for them, or they're going to plan that set out time. Um, lab t- uh, grad students usually have to TA, at least in our program, they do two semesters of that. So then if they have to leave to go to participate in teaching undergrads for part of their requirements so they can be better educators, then they'll come back, have some lunch, maybe. Um, and my grads is they actually cook a lot and they never bring me any. And I keep asking for some, but it's a sidebar. So you should bring your professor some lunch to make sure that they are taken care of well. And then, um, depending on the day, we will have a group lab meeting where we all will get together. It's once a week, two people present, and it gets critical feedback from the rest of the group who are all aware of the projects, but all might have different perspectives on it, right? And it's actually interesting. I'm also a part of an an, an NSF, National Science Foundation Center, 
that's a multi-site center between Georgia Tech, University of Illinois, and MIT. And we actually have monthly meetings where we video conference and teleconference in with the other groups that are working on our projects. So that's been interesting to develop to watch students now have to learn how to communicate in these virtual teams, right, as we talk about teams, um, where they are communicating, they're collaborating with students from other institutions, sharing data and projects, and then having to explain things without their pointers and hands the way we're normally used to. So it definitely requires communication and using your words. And so then we may have that all scheduled in. And then at the end of the day, I have one-on-one meetings with students. So that's time for them to really ask me what they want to ask me or talk about their futures or complain about other people in lab, however it may go. Um, And then the day will end for me or for them. Mine day usually ends earlier. Theirs, they should continue to run experiments early into the morning. And such that when I come back the next morning at eight o'clock and they're not there, it's because they just left. <laughs> Typical day for a successful graduate student. Awesome. That's a lot of really great information. Um, <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people stick exactly by that time. <laughs> yeah. So then I guess this is a, a good amount of time to finish up this first podcast. Um, I guess the thing would be to leave the students here at uh, Georgia Tech with any lasting thoughts or ideas or directives that they would like to hear great open mic no um so i would (laughs) this is fun Uh, the final closing thought i would think is one message i do have for all grad students and, and actually anyone in life as they move forward is work hard play hard um we do work really hard and i think we love what we do and sometimes what i do isn't work i mean coming to this podcast is definitely work but no i'm kidding but um but you have to remember like we said that there's a sun and a cloud above you've got to remember to play and make the work worthwhile and so a big part that i like to make sure we do in my lab group is we play hard and we many times play together so we are part i have a very diverse group of people in my lab group and we will eat all of the different types of foods from everyone in the lab right so we all learn a little something different We'll go to all the different types of musical events, you know, that cover the space. And it kind of, number one, the best teams are the most diverse teams, but also those teams are also we're having the most fun and building the most connections. And so work hard, play hard, get your work done and make sure you enjoy the people you're getting that work done with. And then it won't seem like that time is so painstakingly long and you'll graduate and you'll be happy and you'll love the field of science and stay in it and make wonderful contributions and thank Georgia Tech for doing that. And Emory. Awesome. Thank you, Dr. Platt, so much for being here. Uh, This was very useful, and uh, I look forward to speaking with you again, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks a lot.